Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians. Book of 1 Corinthians, like so many of us, we're new to the Bible, and so we might try to find out where that's at. It is in the New Testament. Um, And so the easiest way to find your way around uh, your Bible is if you have a digital one, first and foremost. You can just point and click and uh, find your way to 1 Corinthians. But if you have uh, one of these things right here, and I know you're looking at it like, what is that? This is a Bible, all right, Um, with pages, real pages. And uh, you're just going to go to the table of contents at the very beginning of the Bible and just kind of look for the New Testament section. You're going to find 1 Corinthians, and that's where we're going, Um, a book that's written by a guy named Paul. And uh, he writes this book uh, because of some stuff that's happening in the church. Uh, What's happening in the church? Well, a lot of things are happening in the church, probably very similar to today. uh, But specifically, Paul writes to to address some divisions that are in the church. Now, I know that doesn't happen here at Canvas Church, but if you've ever been to another church in our city, um, you know, you've, you've recognized that before. And uh, so Paul writes to begin to address some divisions that are happening in the church and to bring some biblical understanding and even some correction. Um, And so that's what we're reading here in 1 Corinthians 12. He's writing specifically now to address, he starts off addressing spiritual gifts that they are for today. They are alive. They are well. Here's how they work. Here's what they're for. But then he goes into this section in 1 Corinthians 12, and he begins to talk about what we see in Scripture as the many-membered body. And so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to look at verse 12. We're going to read a portion of Scripture here. In my Bible, and I'm reading from what's known as the Holman Christian Standard Bible. In my Bible, right at the top of verse 12, it has this little headline, and it says, Unity, yet diversity in the body. Unity, but diversity in the body. And that is really what God wants in his church. He wants unity. Now, obviously, the church worldwide, yes. But also, when we just break it down to the context of a local church, such as Canvas Church today, he does want unity within the church, that we're walking together with the vision that he's given to the church. But notice, though, what what that heading says. It's unity, unity, yet diversity in the body. That God wants autonomy. God wants diversity in the body of Christ. And he wants it right here at Canvas Church, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. And it reads, For as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are still one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we are all made to drink of the one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. Notice what Paul is doing. What Paul is doing is Paul is using a very simple analogy to talk about the broader body of Christ. Okay? And it's an analogy not only they understood, but it's an analogy you and I can understand today. Although Ben Brinkman is one body, my body is made up of many parts. I have a hand, I have eyes, I have ears, and each of those serve a purpose. And if I'm missing one of those body parts, my body is not complete. All right, So he uses a very simple analogy to talk about the greater body of Christ, you and I together. Verse 17. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would, be, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. You hearing that? He talks about, hey, look, man, there's many body parts make up one body. Now understand something. He's the one that called you the body part you are. And he's the one that placed you in the church you're in so that we could fulfill something together. Verse 19. And if they were all of the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Are you with me now? But even more those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have the better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there should be no division in the body. There's unity, no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Are you with me today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word, God, is so crystal clear. Uh, on what it wants to accomplish. God, because you're, you're, you're a very concise and very clear God. It's not confusing. It's not subject to our interpretation. God, it is very concise. It's very clear. And here we see this morning that, God, you are declaring your church one body with many parts. And so, Lord, I ask this morning as we come together around your word that you would instruct us, you would teach us, and that you would free us to be the best us you created us to be. Now, Lord, today, for those that are trying maybe to be something they're not, they would stop and be content with the way you created them. God, for others of us that are trying to get somebody to be something they're not, that we would stop and just look in the mirror and allow you to work on our lives. God, I pray you would speak to us in great clarity today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to speak to you on the subject for the next few moments, free to be me. Free to be me. Uh, we're in this freedom series in which we're discovering through scriptures, um, according to Galatians 5.1. Let me read it to you today. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in, again in slavery to the law. We've been going on this series where we believe that, that God has something for us and that something is greater freedom in Christ Jesus. And we've been talking about different things, and Pastor Brandon talked last week about freedom in forgiveness. Man, such a great message. I actually had somebody share with me that, that because of that message they heard last week, for the first time, they were able to forgive their husband. Man, now that is awesome, because that's what happens when we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we preach the truth of God's word. People get set free. And I believe that today, if you lay hold of the message that Paul was trying to convey in 1 Corinthians 12, that you will walk in a greater freedom of the person that God created you to be. Free to be me. 
Uh, many of you, you might know this by now. For those who are new, you, you probably won't. But I have two daughters, two incredible daughters, one of which made that youth news that is up there, just loves getting involved in creativity and videos and, and different stuff. She's my oldest daughter. She's a ballerina. She's a dancer. Uh, she's also the party queen. Okay. She's 14 years old, and this girl loves to party. Uh, my other girl, my 12-year-old, that's the one I was on the basketball tournament with last week. But my oldest one, man, she loves to create parties. She loves to make parties. She's been, I mean, she literally starts planning her next own birthday party like the minute her, her current birthday party ends. Okay, anybody have a kid like that? Is anybody out there like that? Like, you just love to party, man. Well, my oldest daughter, she loves to party, and she just loves to find ways to create parties. And so we don't necessarily celebrate Halloween, uh, but we do have a costume party. Now, stop judging me right there, okay? Because I know some of you say, Pastor, you just said you don't celebrate Halloween, but then you say that costume party. I don't know. Get over it, okay? She likes, so, so she likes to create a costume party. So every, every uh, Halloween, she'll be like, Dad, can I do my costume party? I'm like, absolutely. She's been doing this since she was little. It is now like a highlight in the Brinkman family, okay? Like she sends out her own evites and creates little images. And, and, you know, for those of you that have been invited before, man, you're like, yeah, it's pretty fun. For those of you that haven't yet, you're jealous right now, and you should be. And she just loves to have these parties. And so I'll never remember, I'll never forget when this started. It started at a young age. And as her dad, I don't have a choice but to be involved in the party, right? And by that, I mean helping plan. But above that, I mean I have to find a costume, Okay, and so when you have a daughter like this, you have to start to get creative, and I didn't start off real creative. I just went on Amazon and said, what costume can I buy for 30 bucks and put it on? Come on, somebody, right? And so when she first started this whole, this whole journey, I sure enough, I went online to Amazon, and I went and looked, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of like Superman, so I'll be Superman, right? And, uh, and so I went online. They didn't have a Superman costume of my size, so I kind of went down the line, and I found a Flash costume. Come on, somebody. And some of you are like, Pastor, you ain't nothing like Flash. Your sermons last forever, right? And so I found this Flash costume, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I read up all about it. Like, it runs a little bit small, so make sure you get a bigger size. And so I'm like, well, normally um, I'm, a, I'm a large, and, and, you know, so, well, extra large if it runs. I'm going to go double XL. And so I order a double XL uh, Flash outfit, man. And now, mind you, this thing is 30 bucks, so it's not like the best made thing in the world, um, but it came as a onesie. Come on, somebody. It came as a onesie with a little zipper in the back. You slide into it, and it did come with a separate belt and a little mask that you tie on your face, and it came with some, some cheesy little black cloth things you put over your feet to make it look like you have black boots on. And so I get this, I get this thing, and I put it on, and they were not kidding when they said it runs small. Because I put this thing on, and it was like up to half my ankles. So now I'm thinking, I've got to modify this thing. I am not going to be that dad that humiliates his daughter. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? And at the time, we were living in downtown San Diego, and she was like, Dad, what I want to do is I want the family to dress up, and I want to walk around Little Italy, and I want to go trick-or-treating. I'm like, thanks, baby. So this is now my costume, okay? Now, I don't probably need to tell you this, but... If it is this high on me here, it is very tight in other areas. All right? And it's a onesie. It's not like you can sag the drawers. Are you with me? It's not like I can add material to it. It's not like I can, I mean, I have to figure out how am I going to make my, my ankles, like how am I going to cover that up? And so I'm, I'm, I, I literally bought black socks and walked around with no shoes on. Come on, somebody. 
I'm a good father. But I'll never forget putting that on and, and becoming the flash, right? I put on something I am not. I pretended for the evening for my daughter that I was the flash. And it wasn't the ankle part that bothered me. It was the continual wedgie that I was having the whole entire night as I walked around Little Italy trick-or-treating with my daughter. I started out pretty quick, but by the end of the night, I was like, trick-or-treat, right? My daughter, she's just having a great old time, you know, dressed up like as some princess or something. I was like, I would have rather dressed up as the princess because I don't have a dress on and no wedgie. Come on, somebody. I'm sorry. I preached to the young people last night, all right? It's just, it's just coming out. And so literally hours of wearing the flash costume, I come back, and I'm so ready to take this thing off. So ready. I took it off, and I finally felt free. I felt like myself. Again, when I took off that costume, that was not me. <laughs> and you know what happens, ladies and gentlemen? And this is really one of the things that Paul is trying to address in 1 Corinthians 12. When you try to be something you're not, I can't say, I don't know if I should say it. You get a spiritual wedgie, no. When you... <laughs> I just feel so more liberated and free when my wife is not in the service and she's teaching the children's ministry. Dan, we don't have to edit that part out, but man, it's just, someone over here just goes, no, we tell her. Ushers, if we could escort this whole section out, that would be fantastic. You see, what happens is when, when I put on that costume, it wasn't me, it didn't even fit. And yeah, I tried to make it work for the evening. By the end of the evening, I was uncomfortable. And you know what happens in church? You know what happens in our spiritual journey? You know what happens in this journey that we're in? Is oftentimes we begin to try to put on somebody something we're not. And when we begin to do that, we begin to get very uncomfortable. It might work for a little while. It might work because you want to fit in. It might work because you look around and say, well, that's the way they do it, and that's how they behave, and that's the way they clap, and that's the way they raise their hands, and that's the way they talk, Matthew McConaughey. So I should do that as well. And so all of a sudden you try to fit in, and it's okay for a little while, but the longer you do that, the longer you resist the way God created you to be, and you become very uncomfortable. Because God is not trying to conform you to look like somebody else other than his son. And that's why the heading of this very passage is unity, yes, but with diversity. God created you the way he created you because he knew that he would need you to be a part of the body of Christ and the local expression here specifically called Canvas Church so that we could advance together, so that we could grow together. And Paul is addressing this way back then, but the reality is, is it's still practical and applicable to us today. Because too many times we come into a new place, maybe a church, and we kind of we observe the scenery, and within about 30 seconds, we've got it pegged. The sad thing is, whether it's because of fear 
or whether it be because it's something that's placed on you, we begin to try to, to fit in. And so we don't bring our gift and we don't bring our best. And the reality is it's not only you that suffers, it's the church that suffers. But God wants you to be free to be the you that he created you to be. Here is Paul, and he's like, hey, guys. And I don't know if you noticed it, but he breaks it down into two sections. The first section of what I read to you, it, it, it's, it, it's addressing insecurity. He says, hey, if you're a foot, you can't say you don't belong to the body. Did you see that in the first section? Everything's about, well, I, don't, I don't belong here. I don't have a place here. Uh, they, they don't need me here. What's he addressing? He's addressing insecurity. Halfway through it, he pauses for a moment, makes some statements, and then he goes into the other side of it, which is narcissism. And he says, but on the same token, if you're the eye, you can't say, I don't need the ear. I got this. What's he address? He addresses the other side as well. He says, look, there's divisions going on. Some of you are walking in and you're taking a snapshot of the church and based on your insecurity and your fear, you're like, no, they, they, they don't need me here. They, they don't need my gift. And Paul is saying, stop it. You are a part of the body. You are the hand, you are the foot, you're the eye, you're the ear, whatever you are. You're a part of this thing. And you can't stand back and say, no, I, I, I'm not a part of the body. I don't, I don't belong here. They don't need my gift. Paul's saying, knock it off. But then he addresses the other side. And he says, hey, look, just because you're the eyeball, okay, and you see everything, don't believe, you know, you're not, you're, you're not the next best thing. You need, because guess what? Without the head, you're going to be seeing the same thing for the rest of your life. Somebody with me this morning? And he addresses it from both sides. He said, listen to me now. Whether you're coming from a side of, I got this together, man. I, I am the, I, man, Canvas absolutely needs me, and they don't really need anybody else. I got this thing. Now, not that anybody, you would say that. All the people that would say they probably aren't here today, right? <laughs> but the opposite is true, too. You can't come in and be like, no, they don't need me. Either one of those perceptions, you are slowing down what God is doing here. Because God's the one that brought you here. Did you catch the part of the verse where he said, but you know what? I'm the one that sets the people in. I'm the one that positions the people. If you're here and you're in this service and you're like, maybe you're just here checking it out. Maybe it's your second, maybe it's your third time. God's probably bringing you here because we need you. Because we need your gift. Because we need who you are in the body of Christ so that we can all advance together. Amen. I mean, think about how silly it would be. And this happens. This happens, ladies and gentlemen. If the whole church were made up of eyeballs... Here's the thing, we would have lots and lots of vision. And you know what, it would be even easy to get in line and have unity. But we would accomplish nothing. There ain't no diversity. Last time I checked, heaven's going to be full of diversity. 
My, my desire here at Canvas Church is I don't, want, I don't want a church where everybody looks the same, talks the same, has the same haircut, talks like Matthew McConaughey. Thanks for giving me that today. I don't, I don't know what I would do without an incredible pastor like Brandon who just gives me material for the day. It's awesome. No, we want diversity because that's what God wants. That's how he created his church. That's how he created his body. That we would all come as a great expression and together we move forward and we advance and we take territory and we see more people saved in Jesus' mighty name. Now listen to me. Know this. It's a lot more messy that way. Because the eyeballs just want, man, can, why can't the ears see what I see? Because their ears. Oh, man, it's, it's a lot easier to move things forward when everyone's an eyeball. You guys all see it yet? Yeah. We can't really get to it. But we can have more eyeballs and we can all see it a lot more clearly. And we need each other. But at the same time, listen, if, if you, ears, if you don't have eyes, I mean, we don't have that echolocation thing. Could you imagine walking through life? be awkward right but if we could communicate with one another in unity with the diversity of who God created us to be then we can accomplish so much for his kingdom hey man it's it's almost as if as if autonomy has become a swear word in the church We just, we just want everybody to get in line, line up, and do what we're telling you to do. You serve here, but I don't even, no, where we want you. But I'm an ear, you're going to see now. And it's like this idea of like, well, what if, what if let me take it beyond even giftings. What if, what, if I, what if I see the passage of scripture a little bit differently than pastor? God forbid. You might be one step closer to hell. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm joking right now, okay? God forbid you see it a little bit differently. Listen, my job as, as, as a preacher and a communicator and the pastor of this church is not to get you to see everything the way I see it. My job is to teach you based off of what I see scripture, based off of the, the prayer and the genuineness of my heart and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I believe is being communicated through this, and it's to expose you to the truth of God's word so that you take it and you begin to flesh it out and see how it materializes in your life. That's the goal. That's the goal. So hopefully you're doing that. And that's where small groups is a, is a great and a safe place to do that. Because yes, what Pastor Tony said on the news, you by yourself, you're never wrong. But I got a news flash for you, you wrong. Right? And man, here Paul is, and he's stressing the idea of having the diversity of gifts. I'll never forget early on in, in the church, dear Lord, did someone set my clock forward? 
That youth news was way too long. I don't know what they were doing. I'll never forget early on we started the church. Now, I had a problem with trying to conform to what everybody wanted me to be. And I wrestled with it. I wrestled with it. Probably for years. Hey, pastor, I don't like the way you said that on Sunday. Oh, okay. So the next week, I'd say something different in a different way. And yet only somebody else would be like, you know, I don't really like the way you said that. And I'd try to just be a people pleaser. But you know what? You're not created to be a people pleaser. We even talked about that. You're created to please one person, one person alone. And that's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the way you do that is being the best you that you can be. Hey, man, good message, Pastor. Thank you. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes right now. I don't even know if I've looked at them yet today. I'm sure they're good, though. When we honestly embrace, listen to this now, when we honestly embrace the person that God has created us to be, we begin to crush insecurity as well as narcissism. When we truly embrace, David had an aha moment like this. In Psalm 139, just jot that one down. You can go to it later. David, man, he's writing about himself, and he's just like, you know, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, and, and he starts writing, you know, like all the days that I'm going to live, man, you wrote them out for me, and, and, then, and it's like he has this aha moment, and he says, man, wonderful are your works. He's talking about himself. He's talking about himself, wonderful are your works, me. And he make, makes this statement that, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me put it this way. I'm uniquely and wonderfully made. In that word fearfully, there is literally, it's the same word that we use when, when we hold God in fear. We're not like, oh, we're afraid of you, God. It's the same word of we hold God in awe and in reverence. Wow, God, you are amazing. And that is the same word that David uses as he writes about the discovery of himself. I am fearfully made. I am created with awe and wonder. Man, God, you made me unique, and there's no one else like me. Why would I try to conform into the image of somebody else? Why would I do that? God, you made me fearfully and wonderfully. And I want you to know something. God made you unique. God made you and held you in awe. And he puts you and placed you in Canvas Church and said, now shine, son, shine, daughter. Be the best you that I created you to be because they need you. Because they need you. Because they need you. Let me just close with this. There's... Three, let me just give you three things very quickly that I believe if we apply these, that we'll be free to be the us that God created us to be. Number one, it's this, very simply, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. The best way for you to become the best you is to focus on Jesus. Stay focused on him. Not focusing on others that you think, well, I kind of like, you know, they got some cool gifts. I'm going to focus on them. No, yes, you can learn from one another. Yes, we, we sharpen one another and we grow from one another. But listen to me, your eyes need to be focused on Jesus. We need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, we stay focused on Jesus and something powerful happens. The best way that you can be the best you is to stay focused on him. Focus on him. Now, I love this story in Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 20. In Matthew 16, 13 through 20, Jesus is walking with his disciples. 
And the Bible says they enter the region of Caesarea Philippi, and it's, it's meaningful, but we don't have time to fully go into that. And he turns to his disciples, and he says, hey, guys, who do people say that I am? Who, who, who are people saying that I am? And so some are like, well, some are saying John the Baptist. Some are saying Elijah or one of the prophets. And there's Jesus, and he's listening. Good. Now let me ask you a more important question. He looks at his disciples, and he says, who do you say that I am? Simon, I mean Peter, stands up and goes, I know. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. He pauses. Am I right? The Bible says that Jesus turns to him and says, well put. You know, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed that to you. Listen to what he does next. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this revelation, I'm going to build my church. What happened? Peter, focusing on Jesus, has an idea. I know who you are. You're Jesus, the son of the living God. And in that moment of Peter focusing on Jesus and who Jesus is, all of a sudden Jesus turns and reveals to him who he is. The greatest thing you can do is keep your eyes focused on Jesus. The greatest thing we can do with our leadership team in this church is to keep you focused on Jesus. Because it's in that moment that we have unity, but yet diversity. Because Jesus is working in you and through you to create the best version of you that there is. How, how do I focus on Jesus? How do I do that? Church is a good place. Worship is awesome. Isn't worship great this morning? Yeah, what a beautiful name it is. I could sing that song all day long. Do you know one of the greatest ways you can stay focused on Jesus? This right here. And let me just tell you something. The quickest way to begin to forget what Jesus says about you is to start caring what other people think about you. And so here's what I got to do. I got to continue to go back to this. We talked about it. This is a mirror reflecting not only our need for a savior, but reflecting the possibilities of who he created me to be. Stay focused on Jesus. Secondly, Secondly, give yourself and others freedom to fail. Give yourself and others the freedom to fail. Some of you, you're too hard on yourself. You blow it. Dang it. I'm the worst at this. You can ask my wife. Remember, I have more grace for others than I do myself, which is not good, by the way. Give yourself and others permission to fail. Do it. Uh, Dr. J, anybody know who Dr. J is? Like, didn't he have that show and he talks about health? No, it's Julius Irvin. He's a basketball player. But he, he made this statement. I love this statement. He said, if you give yourself the freedom to fail, you can play with total enjoyment. If you give yourself permission to fail in life, in this spiritual journey, Man, you can fulfill it with total enjoyment. When you acknowledge the fact, is anybody getting anything out of this today? If you just acknowledge the fact, you know what, I'm going to blow it. It's 
going to happen. You know, but not only that, I'm going to, you're going to blow it. I'm going to, I'm going to say something. I'm going to step on somebody's toes. I'm going to jump into somebody's lane and cut them off. It's going to happen. No, not intentionally. We're not talking about, yeah, you know, we'll take that. It's good. But if we just acknowledge the fact that we are going to blow it, other people are going to blow it, you know what? Man, this journey is a lot more enjoyable. Ain't nobody walking around on eggshells. Oh, I hope I don't blow it. That's a miserable way to live. But if we just come around and say so that we are, we are frail people, we live in a fallen world, thank God for his grace. Thank God that his mercies are new every morning. You know why his mercies are new every morning? Because you need them every morning. Because you fail, I fail, we fail. And the more we give each other, listen, can I talk to some marriages real quick? Would you give your, your spouse the permission to mess up? Would you do that? Stop holding them in this position of an idol that you think that they should be perfect and that everything should go perfect and that dinner should always be ready at 5.30. Come on, somebody. And they should always have salad and meat and potatoes and a dessert. Can we, just, can we just give our spouses permission? Can I talk to some parents in here? Can you give your kids permission to fail? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, do not provoke your children to wrath. The greatest, I believe one of the greatest ways you'll provoke your children to wrath is when you, uh, when you do not give them the permission to blow it. Some of, you, some of you parents that you just have little ones, you're not there yet, but write this down, log it away. When they become teenagers, would you give them permission to fail? Give them permission to step out and make some choices, and then be like, I told you so. should listen to dad. I'm the worst at that. A kid's running through the house, smacks into a wall. <laughs> Told you not to run in the house. And they just look at me like, I hate you. Where's mom? I go to mom. Why? You shouldn't have run in the house. <laughs> Seriously, can, can I talk to some leaders in here? Can we give the people who are under us permission to fail? Some business owners in here? You got some really good people working for you, and they're going to blow it. They're going to mess up. Some stuff's going to be going on at home. And if you look at everything through the lens of a leadership eye, you're going to miss the fact that the reason they're not performing at work is because there's some stuff going on at home. Give people permission. Give yourself permission. When you do that, then we enjoy the journey, and we can laugh things off. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we lost that million-dollar sale. <laughs> your marriage going suck it up would you right <laughs> we need to extend more grace isn't that, what, isn't, that, isn't that what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 12 hey hey the, the less honorable parts or the weaker parts what do we do though we clothe them with more honor what's he saying there this is what he's saying there he says extend grace and cover those areas. Extend grace and cover those areas. Don't be like, oh, man, I knew they couldn't make it. Unbelievable. I can't believe they acted that way and did that. Oh, my gosh. 
And we, we extend grace. And we cover those. This is so good. I should have broken this up into three messages. Give yourself and others the freedom to fail, please. I, here's the thing. I know if someone's reading the Bible or not. Here's one of the reasons I know if someone's reading the Bible or not. Oh, my wife's going to kill me. I need to end because she's in children's. We all having a good time in here. The children's workers are like, my God, how long is he going to get today? Here's how I know if people are reading the Bible or not. Is when they are so hard on other people when they fail, they are not reading the Bible. You know why? Because when I read my Bible, it's full of a bunch of failures. But by the grace of God, but by the work of Jesus Christ, we all jacked up and we all failing. And if we have a problem extending grace, you have a problem reading your Bible. Because when you read your Bible, you discover, my God, everybody failed. So you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lighten up on myself a little bit. Come on, somebody. Let me give you the last one. We'll be done because my wife's going to kill me. Number three, stay in your lane, but make room for others in yours. Stay in your lane, but make room for others in yours. What do I mean by that? Anybody have ever been on the freeway before and you're driving and there ain't, there's somebody in front of you can't stay in their own lane? And they're just kind of back and forth in the lanes and you're just going crazy like, what are you doing? Cutting off drivers and it's just like, dude, stay in your lane, man. You got to stay in your gift. You got to stay in the place that God created you. If you're an ear, be an ear. Don't be an eye. If you're an eye, be an eye. Don't be a neck. And don't tell the neck what the neck should be doing. Just be the eye. Stay in your lane and be the best you can, you can be. But understand that there are going to be other eyeballs in the church. So you've got to stay in your lane, but then you've got to make room in your lane for other people to come into your lane. The last thing we want to do is be swerving. I want to be an ear today. I want to be an eye today. I want to be a hand today. I want to be a foot today. The whole entire time, you're like a mouth. Really good at talking it up. Oh, I can be an eye. I can be an ear. I can be an No, just stay in your lane. And as you're in your lane, make sure you slow down so you can see that other. Oh, yeah, come on in, baby. Yeah, come on. We can accomplish this together. We're going to move together. We're going to do something awesome together. We've got to learn in the body of Christ to stay in our lane, but in the meantime, make room for other people to be in our lane as well. When we make room for other people and their gifts to shine, we complement our own and advance together. When we do not do this, we stay motionless as we cripple ourselves and others. Let me read it to you again. When we make room for other people and their gifts to shine, we complement our own and advance together. When we do not do this, we stay motionless as we cripple ourselves and others. We have got to stay in our lane, but as we're in our lane, we've got to open up and begin to make room for others. And I believe if we do these things, that we will not only be the best us we can be, but we will make room for other people that are coming into Canvas Church and into the kingdom of God and into the body of Christ. And they'll come in and they'll be like, man, there's a place for me here. Because listen to me, we, we give permission for people to fail. We make room for people to come on in and get in that lane in which they shine. Are you with me today? And if we continue to do that, the body of Christ is going to continue to grow and we're going to advance together and see his name glorified and people's lives saved. God, we thank you for your word today.
Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.